1: I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball__tckpod and on Twitter at tck__pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Podders? Happy Thursday. Getting a later start this week here. We wanted to make sure we had all of the games finished for you. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. This is the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. the TCK Pod. We are bringing you the earlier slate as well as tonight's game with the New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Rams. My guest today, our man Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X-Factor. Bobby, how we doing, buddy? Ready for the fantasy playoffs, guy? Yo, how are you doing so far in your leagues? Are you making it and you representing in the playoffs?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It's 50 50. Uh, I made four leagues.
0: Uh, I just got eliminated from another one that we had like an earlier start. But for the mo- most part, it's really just the teams that stayed healthy. I mean, I have teams that just didn't stay healthy, and I, they were actually my best team, might have been my worst record team. They were, I finished fourth in points, and I didn't have a shot because I had injuries early on in the season. But for the most part, I represented.
1: That's so interesting, man. I think a lot of time in fantasy football, it's always a matter of, you know, who can stay the healthiest uh, more so than talent, usually in fantasy. Because um, if you lose studs, you're hurting. But especially this year with COVID and all the injuries and the IR, it's been pretty insane. So yeah, a lot of the teams that have made the playoffs and have a good run, they have to have studs, obviously. But a lot of them are just frankly more healthy than everybody else. I mean, <clears throat> unfortunately, you know, I think there's very few Christian McCaffrey teams if they weren't able to make trades or ride Mike Davis potentially, there's a lot of Christian McCaffrey teams that are not in the playoffs, which sounds crazy to, to say. But of course, with this whole season, with him being out, it's just been very difficult. So
0: tough yeah, to have got one, one lead.
1: pick and not represent there.
0: Yeah, I had, I had McCaffrey one league. I made the 60 and I'm excited. I was like, oh, I'll get McCaffrey back. And now we just hear news that McCaffrey might not play this week. He's doubtful. I also have Miles Sanders in that team. I also have uh, Antonio Gibson on that team. And it's just like I went from this really deep running back core to I'm now looking at starting like Mike Williams in my flex. (laughs) And and three weeks ago, I was setting up to have Dalvin Cook and CMC as my RBs in the playoffs. Now it's – and with like Gibson and and Sanders in my flex. So it does change fast. you got to be on the fly, but – That's why you have to stay diligent with the waiver wire all year round, because not only you've got to have handcuffs, but you also have to find those guys that emerge. like, you know, last week at Cam Akers kind of came out of the blue. It's, you know, something we'll talk about in a second, but you know, Akers wasn't getting the main work and now he's the bell cow. So you just have to be diligent all every, we can't take a week off on the waiver wire.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's get into it, man. It is the fantasy playoffs week one of the fantasy playoffs week 14 overall. Glad that, you know, we got a lot of TCK Potters hitting me up. That means that they are in, they're participating, they're involved with the playoffs in multiple leagues. So great to hear that. Um, have a lot of people reaching out, asking for advice, of course, but also I just want to appreciate everybody that's come on, you know, reach out to me in DMs and just, you know, giving thanks to me and you Bobby and Lucas and, and Chris and the other guests over the year this year uh, and just our advice. And, and um, you know, they've taken that they've implemented it and, It ended up working out more often than not, and uh, we've helped guide some folks to the playoffs, and hopefully we can get two, three more wins and get some uh, hashtag TCK titles. All right, man, let's get into it. Episode 322. This is week 14 early game slate, but we're going to slide in the Thursday night football game as well because we do have all the games back so no teams on by this week we have every single team in action which means we have 16 games we'll do eight with bobby eight with lucas let's start tonight man new england patriots los angeles rams a rematch of super bowl 53 this is the new england patriots at six and six playing very good football ugly football but winning football as of late and the rams as well eight and four able to squeak out a handful um recently for the patriots I mean, Cam Newton is, look, he's going to rush for a touchdown, but is that going to be enough for you? Two straight games with less than 100 passing yards, which is pretty insane if you think about it. Less than 100 passing yards from Cam Newton. The running back uh, situation, again, still kind of up in the air there. And then wide receivers kind of, you know, rush roulette there as far as who you're going to, you know, put put your eggs in a basket with there. I don't trust anybody personally. On the Rams side, Look, you know, Golf at home, all these receiving options. We do have Cam Akers, as you mentioned. But again, I do have some question marks personally. And these DSTs really make – I'm actually okay to start both DSTs in this one, but the defenses are both so good on each side of the ball, so I'm concerned there. I do have a personal question for you, Bobby. I don't do this very often but it is the first week of the playoffs. I need to know what's up with my man, Robert Woods. I've ridden him in many, many, many leagues. I drafted him all over the place. In PPR, he's been just fine. But in non-PPR, I do have one non-PPR league, and it's a little bit more risky for me because even if he has eight catches but gets 75 yards and no touchdown, I'm going to get that you know 7.5 points, not 14.5. So big difference there, obviously. How do you feel about the Patriots? How do you feel about the Rams, man? Big game tonight.
0: So when you're looking at this matchup, you know both teams are kind of run funnel defenses. They're much more susceptible on the ground, and I do really like. So if we start with the Ram, uh, the Patriots first, when I'm looking at that, you know Damian Harris last week, it looks like at the end result that Sony Michelle's back in the rotation. It's really not the case. He outcarried Sony Michelle sixteen to four the first three quarters of that game. So it's still Harris's ball, and I think he's. They're going to have to beat the, the Rams on the ground. They don't have the passing attack you just talked about cam newton not throwing for 100 yards in back-to-back games you know and now you're facing jalen ramsey and company it's not going to be done through the air and when you look at who beats the rams listen the rams defense is legit but damian harris are going to have to do it on the ground and i think he's going to get you another 15 to 20 carries in this game and same with newton now the one thing i will say about uh james white for example the the Rams defense is a very yards after the catch defense. So what does that mean is that they allow a lot of yaks. So, you know, there really isn't a receiver in that receiving core that is that yards after catch guy. And that who it might be is James White. So I think Bill Belichick knows that I think you can definitely expose the Rams defense. We saw it with Debo Samuel just a couple of weeks ago. Now Debo is on another level, but at the same time, that's how you beat the Rams. So I just don't see it from the receiving core necessarily So I think when I'm looking at it, I think from the Patriots side, you take running a risk, but I think Damian Harris and James White, White, especially only in PPR, are on the flex radar in this matchup. And then maybe Jacoby Myers. We have seen some slot receivers do decent against the Rams. You know, Chris Godwin and uh, Debo Samuel, I just brought up a lot of his damage from the slot. And also DeAndre Hopkins caught a touchdown from the interior when he got away from Jalen Ramsey. So... I do think Jacoby Myers in PPR formats could flirt with that flex value. But for the most part, you're probably trying to stay away from these guys. Now, to bring up your question, Robert Woods, listen, the Patriots, I get it. They, they've looked really good over the last couple of weeks. They slowed down Keenan Allen and Mike Williams under 50 yards. DeAndre Hopkins only had 55 yards just two weeks ago prior. So I think I understand that completely. But the thing with the with the Patriots defense is, ironically enough, they do have these great corners but they have been a little more susceptible to outside receivers versus slot guys. So if I am going to pick a receiver in this matchup, it would probably be Robert Woods over Cooper cup. Woods runs a route on almost every one of Jared Goff's dropbacks. I, and, but at the same time, like you just brought up standard versus PPR. I I wouldn't be too excited. I know we talked a little bit before the podcast, like Jamison Crowder, Mike Williams are types of players. I would play over Robert Woods. I love Crowder this week. Denzel Mims is out. Uh, I think Crowder is a fantastic play. The Seattle's a a slot funnel defense. They got Quentin Dunbar and Shaquille Griffin on the outside. They don't have a slot corner. So I really like Crowder over a guy like Robert Woods. But if you're in a pinch, I'm not sitting Robert Woods. I don't think he's a must-sit player either. But I would actually favor him over Cooper Cup in this matchup, just the way how the Patriots defense has been against slot versus out wide receivers. So I think in this matchup, it is kind of cookie cutter. But I I think the number one guy on the list is Cam Akers. I think Cam Akers, like we just saw, like prior to this season, there was, it's been kind of hit or miss with the Patriots run defense, but when they face good ground games, they do allow a lot of work. So Jeff Wilson's a prime example. The 49ers, I think the 49ers game is something I look at the most. The 49ers and the Rams have a lot of similarities. They love to use the ground game. They use a lot of yards after the catch with their receivers. So I think I really do like Cam Akers in this game. He did out carry. Uh, Henderson and Brown 21 to 6 last week. So I think he's going to take over that featured back role. I think he's a rock solid RB2 in this game. I think Woods and Cup, I think Woods is definitely still a flex play. And I think Cup is more of a fringe flex play in this matchup, but I think they're both playable. But like you just said, touched on, I think I like the defenses in this one. I'm not too excited overall for this game. But to answer your question about Robert Woods, I think if you have options like Mike Williams and Jameson Crowder, I would play those guys over Robert Woods in this matchup.
1: Woo! It is the playoffs, man. It is always important to look at the matchups, look in more in depth than you usually would to uh, see who you want to start. Because the reality is, it's winner go home. You got to make some tough decisions. So uh, I appreciate the feedback on that. Thank you. Let's move on to the Sunday slate. Here we'll start with the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers both at four and eight Carolina coming off of the bye, They had a little bit of a COVID scare. Of course, the Broncos didn't even play with a quarterback because all of their quarterbacks were out due to a COVID scare a couple weeks ago, kind of a mess for both these franchises lately. Although everyone should hopefully be healthy. I hope to get uh, Curtis Samuel back. We hope to get DJ Moore back. We'll see what happens there. The big question mark, obviously the, the elephant in the room, the dark cloud over fantasy football, frankly, all season has been Christian McCaffrey. Uh, We are excited to potentially get him after the bye week. Everybody had been holding on, holding on, holding on. And now all of a sudden he's got a thigh hiccup as well. Doesn't look like he's going to play this week. Very difficult situation for fantasy owners that have been waiting all season long to use him in the playoffs here. Denver is five and one all time versus Carolina, including the playoffs. So you got a little bit of a momentum thing going on there for the Broncos. I like Tim Patrick over Jerry Judy, who seems to be banged up there, but not a lot of other options I uh, can't trust Noah Fant personally. Then we have the running back situation. Phillip Lindsay actually only had two fewer touches than Melvin Gordon last week, but Melvin Gordon had a season high 131 rushing yards last week versus the Chiefs, So he seems to be doing just fine. And again, with the Panthers, if we get those receivers back, I like Teddy. Otherwise I might be fading everybody unless Robbie Williams, or Robbie Williams, Robbie Anderson is all by himself out there getting all the targets. How do you feel about Broncos and Panthers?
0: So, when I'm looking at this game, the Denver Broncos are a major run funnel defense. They are they can get dominated on the ground. I was so excited for Christian McCaffrey to come back. He was going to be like a DFS must start. Unfortunately, it's going to be Mike Davis. And Mike Davis, I think, is in play. I think if you have Mike Davis on your team and you've been holding on to him. And listen, I think this is a PSA. If a lot of people, including myself, I dropped Mike Davis in a league. I didn't have Christian McCaffrey. And he could be back on waivers, so go check that out because he's a. he could plug him right back in because the Denver Broncos are much easier to beat on the ground than through the air. Now, just another key factor with the Broncos' defense is that they have lost their two top corners. Now, AJ Boye just got suspended for PEDs, and Brian um, Callahan has been out for a couple of weeks on IR. So now they're down their two top corners. They don't have the talent in the secondary to keep up with guys like Robbie Anderson. So I'm back on board with those guys. Now, D.J. Moore was tested positive, and Curtis Samuel was a close contact. So I don't think Moore is going to be back this week, but I think Curtis Samuel, as long as he has two negative tests, can be back in the lineup. So that's just something to monitor. But when I was looking at who beats the uh, Broncos, outside of the ground game, I'm starting Mike Davis. But it is a tougher matchup for wide receivers, but they don't have any premier corners right now to slow down guys like Robbie Anderson. So I'm rolling with Robbie Anderson in this one. If DJ Moore is out, I am 100% in on Curtis Samuel as well. So because this offense features just the three guys and the running back. They don't use a tight end. Ian Thomas is barely used. And there really isn't a a fourth wide receiver that's going to come in. So I think if DJ Moore is out, you've got to get Curtis Samuel in your lineups. But I really, really like Robbie Anderson in that one as well. On the other side of the ball, listen, you know, Carolina – over the last five weeks, it saw the fourth most dropbacks, and I expect Drew Locke to throw a lot more than he has the last couple of weeks. Now, does that mean there's going to be a lot of success? I'm not entirely sure. Carolina, when they face great receivers, they get dominated. So Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Tyree Kill, all dominated the Carolina Panthers because they do have nice corners. Like Deontay John- Jackson should be back this week, and Rezul Douglas is kind of having a mini-resurgence in, in carolina but when you talk about the premier guys i think tim patrick's definitely in play as a flex this week he's kind of emerged as the more reliable player than jerry judy who's a little banged up according you know with some injuries so i think i would definitely favor tim patrick in this matchup because we have seen outside receivers beat the carolina panthers now Noah affair is a very uninspiring play he has not really dominated at all but When you're getting four for 50 from a tight end, that's just all you need to be competitive if you don't have the Wallers and the Kelsey. So Fant is right back in there. I think you can definitely beat this Carolina defense with tight ends. So I'm okay with if you want to use Fant. Now, Jerry, Judy, until I need to see it consistently before I put him in my lineup. So I think from the receiving core, it's going to be Tim Patrick and just uh, Noah Fant. And then the ground game, listen, it it should be a good matchup. all round running backs have done very well against the Panthers. We saw a couple of weeks ago. We saw Ronald Jones for 192 rushing yards, but it's going to be Gordon and and Philip Lindsay splitting work. So, it, if you want to play Melvin Gordon, go ahead. But he's not getting featured in the passing game. He only had two targets last week from Drew Locke. You're depending on the ground. I think he. I think him. I think Gordon is a flex play at best. I don't think he's a must start at all. And I think Lindsay is a very uninspiring flex play because. They're just going to be splitting work. You're banking on which one might score a touchdown. doesn't seem reliable for fantasy. So if you can get away from them, I would.
1: I agree. Let's move on to the Texans and the Chicago Bears. This one's in Chicago. Houston 4-0 all-time in Chicago. We'll see if Deshaun Watson can bounce back from that last second defeat last week, um, unfortunately, when he fumbled on the goal line there. 4-8 and eight for the Texans, 5-7 and seven for the Bears. Again, the Bears started super hot and turned into the Bears – for the Texans side, again, without Will Fuller, Kiki Quti absolutely on fire. Brendan Cooks looked like he was going to have basically his sixth career concussion, uh, which frankly could have put him out for the season. He's had a lot of concussions, clearly, in his six-year uh, career. Um, but he did uh, return in the game, and you also had um, a nice performance kind of in general from Deshaun Watson without Will Fuller. So, How do we feel in general about this receiving core and Deshaun Watson against the Bears outside in Chicago? And then with this backfield, do we trust David Johnson, Duke Johnson? What are we doing there? On the Bears side, it's Allen Robinson or bust, right? On the receiving core, do you trust Cole Komet, who outperformed Jimmy Graham? Jimmy Graham was not even used last week. Cole Komet seems to be the guy. And then you have um, David Montgomery, who's had back to back incredible games. Now he gets the Texans also horrible against the run do we think Mitch Trubisky can keep it up here for these bears in general? I think there's potential kind of a fantasy shootout here, but I also could see the bears defense controlling this game and the bears offense, not doing very well and kind of being a dud. So there's a little bit of confusion here for me personally.
0: Yeah. So let's, when I look at this game from a dropback perspective, the Houston Texans over the last five weeks are 23rd in dropbacks on defense. Chicago Bears is 26. So that tells me there might not be as much pass volume as we would think in this game. Now, I touched on this last week. Mitchell Trubisky always plays his best against the Detroit uh, Lions, but unfortunately, he didn't go for three touchdowns. But he did look serviceable. He did get us, you know, 260 yards and a touchdown, but. Playing at home, Houston Texans defense is not great, but let's focus on the Texans first. And listen, the Bears' pass defense has kind of sprung a leak the last couple of weeks. They have actually allowed three straight weeks of two wide receivers to hit double-digit fantasy points and half-point PPR. So that is very notable. This Bears' once very vaunted secondary has, hasn't looked as dominant over the last couple of weeks. And I think that is very notable for the Texans, especially with Brandon Cooks last week wasn't the guy. I mean, as much as we thought he was going to dominate, he did not. He only he was actually third on the team in in reception. I mean, in yardage last week, it was Kiki Q T and and Hanson, Uh, The guy comes out of nowhere to replace Will Fuller, gets a hundred yards. So that was interesting. I, I thought that was very interesting to me that that Kiki Q T and Hanson both performed very well in that matchup. So listen, you know, the Bears as a as a they're average across the board against metric wise versus receivers, but. From what I'm seeing, I think you've got to go back to the well with Brandon Cooks, even though he was third on the pecking order technically, but he did leave the game briefly. I think I would go right back to Brandon Cooks. I'm not scared off by the matchup. I think you're getting very cute in the playoffs. You play Kiki, QT, or Hanson. I, I, I want to see it more than once to put them on my flex. So I, I think it's just Brandon Cooks. The run game is non-existent, Even though they did have rushing touchdown last week for David Johnson, you're banking on a touchdown. They are, they don't commit to the run. They are not a great run defense. So Chicago is actually better against the run than they are against the pass. So I actually would fade David Johnson if I could, especially on the road in Chicago. So I think really from the, the Texan side, I think even Deshaun Watson is a kind of a risk. Yes, he did have 340 yards last week, but he had no touchdowns and interception. So I just don't think he has that consistent red zone threat anymore. I don't think I'm very excited to play him on the road, especially with this low dropback projection. I think I'd actually fade Deshaun Watson. I think the only guy I'm interested in on the Texan side is going to be Brandon Cooks. But I want to bring up Jordan Akins. So Akins last week did not have much production. The Indianapolis Colts are one of the toughest defenses against tight ends. Now you're flipping it around. The Chicago Bears are one of the worst against the tight end. And I think Jordan Akins last week, he ran a lot of routes. He was right up there with the three wide receivers, Cooks, Hanson, and QT in routes. He clearly wearing twice as many routes as Daniel Fells, So I think if you're really desperate at tight end, you could look at a guy like Jordan Aikens in this matchup. Cause I think he could be, get you that five for 50. You need to be competitive at the tight end position. And then on the other side, listen, the bears, the Texans don't have a secondary anymore. Bradley Roby's gone. They have been just gashed on the outside. We saw with DJ shark. We saw with uh, Damari bird. T Y Hilton had a monster game last week. So they can be beat. I think you're rolling with Allen Robinson And I think David Montgomery, to me, there's something different about him. He looks really good. He looks good on a film. He had 17 carries for 72 yards for two touchdowns. I think you can even put him in your DFS lineups. Houston is terrible against the run as well as the pass. So I'm okay with those two guys. The real question is Cole Clement. Listen, he actually looked very good last week. And like we touched on, you don't need a lot to be competitive at the tight end landscape. He had five receptions, 37 yards, and a touchdown. Houston is not good at slowing down the tight end. Um, they didn't let up a lot of production to Indianapolis, but like we touched on before, the Colts don't really have that true number one tight end. So I'm OK with starting Cole Clement. If you need that tight end to plug into your lineup, I think that the Texans are exposed enough by the tight end position. You can play him. I'm not touching Mitch Trubisky. So I think from the Bears side, it's Allen Robinson. It's David Montgomery. And I think if you really need a tight end start, you can start Cole Clement in this matchup.
1: I like it. I like it. David Montgomery. Remember he did come in with a groin injury right before camp. So the first couple of weeks he had a groin injury. He was also playing backseat to Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen went out though. And, um, David Montgomery is getting all the pass work though. So that's obviously helping that floor and his playoff schedule. We've been saying it for months, his playoff schedule is among the, the best Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, David Montgomery, same three guys, best matchups. You can have at uh, running back. So you fire him up, Um uh, Absolutely, okay, man. Let's head into the Cowboys and the Bengals. This is the Andy Dalton revenge game, if you want to think of it that way. <laughs> the Cowboys come in at three and nine. Bengals two nine and one. Dallas has allowed thirty three points per game this season, most in franchise history, which is horrendous. That has nothing to do with Dak Prescott. Their defense is horrendous, unfortunately, for Dallas. Can you, you know, Michael Gallup has been playing well. He's not started by anybody because everyone's scared with Andy Dalton. I get it. But every time I watch a game, Michael Gallup, it seems to be streaky, but they lock onto him and he has like four catches on a drive or something like that. That might be it for the whole game, but he does get some work. Did catch a touchdown last week. Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb are getting the looks as well. Dalton Schultz gets enough too. They're not what the Cowboys were at the start of the season, obviously but I'm not sure they're automatic benches either, which they were for a couple weeks after Dak Prescott. So how do you feel about them? Honestly, I'm more confident at this point, starting all three receivers, including Gallup and Dalton Schultz more so than I am firing up Zeke Elliott. He is against the Bengals. The Bengals are bad. You got to play Zeke, but I just am not feeling it. And look, Tony Pollard is biting at the heels, in my opinion, on the other side with the Bengals, Can you start anybody Uh, T Higgins seems to be the only one getting work, but he came up limp at the end of that game. Joe Mixon was supposed to come back, but then they declared him out again. Gio Bernard is just frankly not been it. Tyler Boyd at a 72 yard touchdown, but then he got ejected for fighting. The Bengals are a mess. Uh, Again, a lot of question marks here with the Cowboys and the Bengals. So these are the games that I always find
0: interesting because they are two bad football teams right now who usually are trailing games. We just saw Dallas get blown out by the Ravens, which leads to an influx of pass volume for their offense. And the same thing with the, the Bengals passing game, you know, that's just a mosh posh between Allen and Finley last week because Allen went out for a couple snaps, but when I look at it, so Dallas is a true run funnel defense. They are so bad against the run. We just saw what the Ravens did. But the same thing could be said about the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are also, who the Bengals played last week, a run funnel defense. And Gio Bernard got 12 carries for 30 yards. I am not putting Gio Bernard in my fantasy lineups with the playoffs on the line, even though the Dallas Cowboys run defense is beatable. But so was the Miami Dolphins. So I'm not going to go with Gio. When I'm looking at who beats the Cowboys – you, you could talk all day about, you know, the, it is a winnable matchup for receivers. We saw Marquise Brown score a touchdown. Uh, listen, you're banking on a big play, right? So Tyler Boyd caught one pass, 72 yards, a touchdown. Then he gets ejected. I'm not going to put my fantasy, uh, lo- my fantasy season on the line for a, a Bengals receiver facing Allen. I think, to be honest with you, I'd rather roll the do- dice on the Cowboys defense. I know the Cowboys defense has been atrocious, and I totally get that, but... I I just I don't see the Cincinnati offense doing enough and for what it's worth even though they don't have the true run stoppers Gio Bernard in that run game is not going to be able to dominate so that means they can pin their ears back and use those pass rushers so I think the Cowboys defense is someone I'd rather have but if I'm going to start anybody it's going to be Tyler Boyd and the Cowboys are much more susceptible to slot receivers than out wide so if you're going to roll the dice on anybody, maybe Tyler Boyd, but I'm avoiding all the Bengals, maybe streaming the Cowboys defense. On the other side of the ball, you're right. It should be, it should be good for everyone. The Bengals don't do anything great. Uh, we saw Mike Jazicki have a monster game last week. The one thing I will say is William Jackson, the Bengals do this every year. They decided to shout out William Jackson, their top corner on, on number ones. They did it with Devontae Parker last week. Four for 35. They did it a couple of weeks ago with Terry McLaurin. McLaurin had an okay game, five receptions at 80 yards. But that could be something that could really slow down Amari Cooper. Now, really, this is very unpredictable. The Bengals don't do it consistently, but just something that's worth noting to put in the back of their mind that Amari Cooper could see a lot of William Jackson. That could open opportunities for CeeDee Lamb. That could open opportunities for Michael Gallup. And then Schultz, listen, I just don't know if there's going to be – like I just touched on, the Dallas Cowboys are 30th in the NFL in dropbacks on defense the last five weeks. The Cincinnati Bengals are 21st because they don't see a lot of volume. These offenses, I don't know if Andy Dahl is going to have to throw 48 times to make these guys all fantasy relevant. But the matchup is good. I will tell you that if you need to play Dalton Schultz, I totally get it. Four for 50 is fine. He had four for 40 last week. That might get you just enough. Lamb. Gallup, Cooper, all were productive enough last week. Lamb and PPR. So I get that, but just keep in mind, I don't expect Dalton to have to throw 48 times because they're going to be able to take a lead against a worse Cincinnati team. So tread lightly with the Cowboys. They're not must-start players. I think Zeke is a must-start player. I don't think you're going to get away from him. I just think he hasn't found the end zone in a while, so he's probably due. Um, And also Cincinnati overall is a fun pass-funnel defense, so maybe you can get away with Cooper and Gallup and Lamb, but I just don't see the, the need to throw 48 times in this matchup for the Cowboys.
1: Are you trusting Andy Dalton in Superflex leagues? No. Okay, Let's move on to the Tennessee Titans and Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> Titans come in at eight and four, Jacksonville at 1 and 11. Let's not forget folks. Jacksonville won opening day and lost 11 straight after that. Tennessee is six and one versus Jacksonville since 2017 for Tennessee you know, Derrick Henry got completely game scripted Baker threw for 404 touchdowns. The Browns were completely wiping the field with the Tennessee Titans for the first half came back late, but it was all Tannehill after that. So throw away Derrick Henry, his incredible playoff schedule that everyone's been waiting for starts this week. You fire up Derrick Henry, you fire up Brian Tannehill. I think you can fire up both AJ Brown and Corey Davis, my question mark is going to be if John who plays, do you play John? Who, if not, can you fire up Anthony Furkser instead who last week didn't have anything until the final drive, but ends up coming away with five for 50. So question mark there at the tight end for the Titans on the other side with Jacksonville. Are you comfortable with anybody playing other than James Robinson?
0: Uh, so both these off uh, defenses are pass bottle defenses. They're much more susceptible through the air than on the ground and especially the Tennessee Titans. Now, when I look at them drop back wise, they're both in the top half of the league. So that's good news for everybody. You're listening. You're rolling with Robinson. You're rolling with Derrick Henry. I don't need to tell you otherwise, even though these teams are more pass funnel uh, on the defensive side, I'm still playing those guys. 100%. I actually surprised have been surprised by Mike Glennon. I think he's been serviceable. He has gotten it done. I mean, putting up 24 points last week on the road against the Minnesota Vikings is not a bad showing for him. 280 yards. He's moving the football. That's just good news for fantasy purposes, not just for the Jags, but it forces the other team to have to play and they have to throw. They're not dominating this team thirty to three. So I do like Ryan Tannehill in this matchup. You know the Jaguars have they just allowed three hundred yards and three touchdowns to Kirk Cousins. I don't. I'm not going to run away from that. I think the matchup is good for everybody. I think Ryan Tannehill. You have to play him. It makes a lot of sense for Derrick Henry to dominate this game on the ground, but same time like I just touched on the Jacksonville Jaguars are better against the run than they are against the pass. So that's why I'm okay with Tannehill. I'm okay with Derek Henry. I think the biggest surprise has been the emergence of Corey Davis. I mean, Davis last week was the number one wide receiver in half point PPR in the week. Uh, listen, uh, you know, that's very surprising, especially with the talent of AJ Brown. I think you could roll with both these guys. Listen, the Jacksonville Jaguars are decimated in the secondary. They lost CJ, CJ Henderson, DJ Hayden, they don't have anybody, even though Sidney Jones has also been banged up. So Jefferson and Dillon last week, both dominated. I think you kind of go with the same game script. I'm all in on Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, and Ryan Tannehill. The tight end position's a little bit more of a gray area for me because, like you just brought on, Ferksner didn't do much until the last drive. What if John comes back? I don't think I'm going to get cute in the playoffs. I'm going to just play those four core guys. On the Jacksonville side, yes, it's James Robinson. But like I just touched on, the, the, the secondary for the Titans have been terrible. I mean, we shot Rashard Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Jarvis Landry, all get over 60 yards and a touchdown last week uh, versus this secondary. They are not good. Um, Adoree Jackson might come back. I bring it up every week, and he never does, so we can just assume he's not. But they do get beat constantly, especially on the outside by outside receivers. So I think DJ Chark is in play. I think DJ Chark last week, he did pace the team in routes. He did pace the team in targets. Even though Johnson did get his last week, he is kind of the favorite of Mike Lennon. I think if I'm going to put my flex radar, I'm going to put anybody from the Jags receiving core, it's going to be DJ Chark in the flex because the matchup is definitely there for him. So I think from the Jags side of James Robinson, And I think if you really need it, you can flex a guy like DJ Chark in this matchup.
1: I like it. Let's move on to the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins. This is going to be a very good NFL game. I actually think, again, it's hard to say that I think this team's going to beat the Chiefs because it's the Chiefs. This game is in Miami, though. Miami's playing very well on both sides of the football. They play gritty kind of, uh, you know, old school football at this point. And the Chiefs have come out super hot the last couple of weeks. But they've also let both the Buccaneers and the Raiders kind of come back on them. Uh, If Tua shows up, I think that the Dolphins might have a good chance here. For the Chiefs coming in at eleven and one, the Dolphins at eight and four. The Chiefs have won nine straight road games, longest longest active streak in the NFL. For the Chiefs, uh, same old, same old. Um, with Mahomes, Hill, who had an illness early in the week, he should be just fine. He was back at practice, should be okay. Um, and then you go with uh, Travis Kelsey, of course. My question mark's is going to be the backfield again. We've done this the last couple of weeks. Can you trust C.E.H.? Um, in your fantasy playoffs and if not can you possibly trust either Le'Veon Bell or Darrell Williams and then on the Dolphins side it's going to be Miles Gaskin if he's healthy you fire him up and receiver wise Devontae Parker um, Mike Kosicki had a touchdown last week playing pretty well with Tua and then can you fire up Tua Um, not in single quarterback leagues I would imagine but in Superflex would you be more confident with him?
0: So, you know, yes, the Miami Dolphins are seven point underdogs at home. So that does suggest that Tua is going to have to throw. He did throw a lot last week, 39 attempts in the game against the Cincinnati Bengals. So he's going to have to throw. The one thing I will say about both these defenses is that they are major run funnel defenses. You can dominate these defenses on the ground. And that's great news for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. That's great news for Miles Gaskins as he's, they've been committed to him. He had 21 carries last week for Gaskins. But when I touch, let's touch on this first for the Chiefs. The one thing I've noticed about the Chiefs is that they have not seen as much pass volume as I thought they would. We saw with Drew Locke last week. He only attempted 28 passes in that game because their defense was able to keep up with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now the Chiefs offense versus the Miami defense, like, listen, if you look at the Miami schedule, Outside of that Rams game, which they looked awesome, and I will admit that the last it's been cupcakes matchups on the, the offensive side, uh, meaning like Denver Broncos offense, then they face the Cincinnati Bengals, for example. So they haven't faced a legit, true, dominant offense for like a month and a half now. So I will say that I'm not going to fade the major players. I'm not Tyree Kill, of course. We're playing him. Patrick Mahomes, I, we don't need to bring it up. Travis Kelsey, I get that. I think maybe where I would fade is those ancillary guys, the Sammy Watkins, the the Robinson, the Mikko Harmon, because I'm not 100% sold that, you know, Mahomes is going to go for his typical 303. He might have more of a game like he had against the Denver Broncos, which was fine. I mean, of course, it's very productive, but I think I'm sticking with the studs on that side. And I do like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Now, my thing is, I'm not sure what's going on. Was it truly just the illness? But Le'Veon Bell had 11 carries last week. He didn't do anything special with those 11 carries for 40 yards. But I personally just feel like if you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and you can't start him in this kind of game, then you're not going to start him pretty much across the board. I think he's going to have the opportunity here. I would just pay attention to camp reports, make sure he's back to full practice. If he is, I'm rolling with Clyde because this is a great matchup for him as seven-point road favorites against a very, very vulnerable Miami-run defense. On the other side, listen, it starts and ends with Gaskins for me. I love him. He's been fantastic, especially even with Tua back in there. He actually had two targets last week, was able to turn to 50 yards as well. So he was involved, 23 opportunities. I think you're rolling with him against Kansas City. We just saw what Melvin Gordon did. He had his 131 yards rushing against Kansas City. So the way you beat Kansas City is keep their offense off the field, and you do that with the ground game. So I think Gaskin is going to get a heavy dose of that. I think he's going to flirt with 20 carries again. So he's definitely on the flex radar. The rest of the guys, listen, you know, Mike Jazicki. I think, you got, I think you got to play him. He actually looked very good last week against Cincinnati. Um, we saw Noah Fank get 57 yards just last week against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think Jazicki is right back in there. He had 11 targets last week. He was the main target for Tua, which is surprising because Parker was being slowed down by William Jackson. So I think Jazicki is right back in there for me as a low-end, tight-end one. And the final guy is Devontae Parker. The one thing I will say about the Kansas City Chiefs, they are more vulnerable to slot receivers typically – than they are against guys out wide and the great thing about Parker is they started moving him inside and out so the one thing I will say is Parker ran 43 percent of his snaps from the slot last week so I do think Parker is in play as a wide receiver three in this matchup because the Chiefs are one of those teams they're going to put up points so maybe I'm expecting that to happen for the for the Dolphins as well but I think really it's going to be Gaskins Mike and Devontae Parker I don't think I'm too excited to start Tua he didn't really blow up Last week against a very, very bad Cincinnati team. So I think I'm avoiding Tua uh, t- uh, even in super flex leagues in this matchup.
1: I agree. I've had a couple of people actually ask me on the Kansas City side if they should even drop Clyde Edwards Hilaire. If you're not in the keeper league, you're not in the dynasty league and you need a roster spot, I would be okay with it personally. Let's wow. not forget sure. that let's let's not forget that last year he's just not getting the work. Like obviously he's good enough. They just don't use him, they don't need him. Period. If Tyreek Hill was out in this game, I'd be more about the run game, but he should be playing. He should be fine. And Mahomes can do whatever he wants. If uh, look, I'm not saying drop Clyde or Sholaire, like just because, but if you have a be- much better option, look, it's winner go home, man. You know, you have to put the best players in your, in your lineups. And if CEH is not going to be used this week and you have a guy that you could pick up off the, off the waivers <clears throat> that you can spot start, I would be so- comfortable doing that.
0: So for a flex play, you would play Mike Williams over Clyde.
1: Sure, yeah. This okay. week, I, I, if I still had Mike Davis, I'd go with that. Miles mm-hmm. uh, Gaskin. Um, I don't think I'd go as far as um, uh, Cam Akers tonight, um, just because of New England. You never know what defense is going to show up, you know. But um, there are, you know, Jamison Crowder, some other guys that we have mentioned. I would go with those guys over Ceh. Just because, again, it's not that, yeah. you know, he might stumble and he might catch a, a five-yard wheel route and break off a 25-yard touchdown and then I look like shit. But the reality is he's not getting the volume, and that's ultimately what we're chasing, right? So, again, I'm not saying to drop CEH, but if you don't need him this week and you need somebody else and he's your least valuable guy, I'd be okay dropping because reality is if you don't make it to next week, it doesn't matter anyway, right? So just uh, take that for what it is. Okay, let's move on for the Cardinals and the Giants here. We got two games left in the early slate. Cardinals and Giants. Cardinals at six and six. Giants at five and seven. These teams are heading in opposite directions. The Giants have, frankly, been playing their best football as of late. Of course, Daniel Jones goes down last week or two weeks ago, I should say, missed last week. Should be active this week against uh, Arizona at home in New Jersey. The Cardinals have lost four of five games. They started five and two and that one game that they did win over the last five, let's not forget was the Hale Murray against the bills, which frankly they lose that nine out of 10 times. So the Cardinals have kind of lost five in a row. If you want to think of it that way, which is obviously not the direction they want to be heading at this point of the season here, six and six for the Cardinals, five and seven, four, the giants, the Cardinals. Are you comfortable with Kyler Murray? Very different quarterback with this shoulder issue the route tree, Andy Holloway of the fantasy footballers uh, retweeted the route tree of DeAndre Hopkins over the last couple of weeks. It's literally 10 to 15 yards on the left side of the field only in out routes. I think it's the only sh- throw that Kyler Murray can make comfortably right now. And if Bradbury is going to be able to shadow him, I'm worried about Kyler Murray. I'm also worried about nuke. It's hard to bench either guy in your fantasy playoffs. But again, these are those tough decisions. We're coming with you. Uh, coming to you with in the fantasy playoffs in the backfield. Again, another backfield. I don't really want a part of personally, Drake and uh, Edmonds. And then the other guys, I just don't want um, on the Cardinals. You know, the other receivers, Kirk and, and Fitz coming off of uh, IR, uh, the COVID IR. Um, Giants, Daniel Jones comes back. I do like Sterling Shepard. I do like um, Evan Ingram who had over hundred yards two weeks ago when Daniel Jones, before he went down in the first half, frankly. So that should be fine there. And look, you got to ride Wayne Goldman. He's been playing absolutely fantastic. And Daniel Jones, I would be comfortable with him in a Super Flex League.
0: Yeah. You know what the thing is? I know last week was very interesting because uh, let me look at this. When I look at this from a, a passing game, like defensive passing game volume, it, Arizona's only seen the 22nd most dropbacks the last five weeks. Giants are 12th. Now, Russell did drop back and attempt 43 passes last week. He only had 263 yards and a touchdown. He also did have 45 yards rushing. The one thing I will say from the Cardinals perspective and the reason why I like Kyler Murray, and I'm a little concerned about this. Murray does not run as much as he should. Now it could be the shoulder injury and I totally get that. But the one thing about the giants and Patrick Graham, their defensive coordinator, he's a bill Belichick guy. They run a lot of men. So that is great for running quarterbacks. You can definitely expose him. Russell Wilson had 45 yards rushing last week. If Murray decides to start running a little bit more and his shoulder starts feeling a little bit better maybe he's he finally breaks out of this weird mold where he's not running as much um i i don't know what to say about cliff kingsbury and what they're doing with this offense i find it very odd they have four they run a lot of four receiver sets hopkins and 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 christian kirk run most of their routes on the outside they don't move them all over the formation you're not seeing that like what you see with a lot of premier wide receivers they're moving them into the slot getting them away from top corners they don't do that in Arizona. It's very head-scratching. Hopkins would be fantastic in the slot. I don't know why they don't do more of that, but he's going to see a ton of James Bradbury. Now, his line last week, 8-for-52-1 and one against uh, Jalen Ramsey and the Rams is, is definitely serviceable. You're not going to sit Hopkins in this game. I know that you know J- James Rob uh, Bradbury is a very intimidating matchup, but DK Metcalf still got his 5-for-80 last week against that matchup. So I'm not going to sit Hopkins. I'm not running for the Hill's. I also think that you can beat the Giants with a run game. So, you know, Chris Carson was okay. They kind of got away from the run. They only had 13 carries for 65 yards, but from a per carry basis, it's not too bad. You can beat the Giants on the ground. So I do think Kenyon Drake's in play here. He seems to always have a nose for the end zone. So I'm okay with flexing Kenyon Drake, but where the Giants are the biggest exposed is pass catching running backs. They are one of the worst at covering running backs out of the backfield. Chris Carson had 45 yards on a touchdown last week against them. I don't know what it is about their defense. They also, Blake Martinez, their primary linebacker, got hurt in that Seattle game. So he might be out. And if he's out, that's even more of an exposure. So Chase Evans, to me, in PPR leagues, especially with all the problems going on in receiver and with the Giants secondary playing at a high level, you know, I can I can see you if you're really desperate in a PPR league, you can flex Chase Evans in this matchup, especially how good the matchup is. Now, outside of that, I think that's really it for my focus. I'm not going for Kirk. The great news is Larry Fitzgerald's coming back. And I think that's gonna help Kyler Murray. He's been a big, that's a big miss for him. He doesn't have his safety blanket over the middle of the field. Like I just touched on, he, he was throwing the Keyshawn Johnson and Andy Isabella instead of a Hall of Famer. So I think that's gonna help. Kyler Murray this week, having Larry Fitzgerald back. And I think Larry Fitz is on the PPR radar uh, for, for this week against the giants with James Bradbury shadowing Deandre Hopkins on the other side, listen, who beats the Cardinals run games. I think Wayne Gallman is white hot 16 carries 135 yards last week. I'm rolling with him. I think he's fine against the Cardinals. The Cardinals are not an intimidating run defense came Acres. Henderson and and Brown combined for 31 carries, 119 yards and three touchdowns last week. So I'm okay with rolling with the uh with Wayne Gallman. But the passing game, listen, you know, the wide receivers have been exposing Arizona lately, but Arizona's a yards after the catch defense. So meaning that you could definitely like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, the Rams had almost three hundred yards of yards after the catch last week against Arizona. Goff through for 351 yards, almost 300 of that was yards after the catch. That's insane. And who that really favors is probably a guy like Sterling Shepard over Darius Slayton, who's more of the vertical threat. So I'm okay with uh, Sterling Shepard in this matchup. I think he's a wide receiver three. And Evan Ingram, of course, because of the tight end landscape. And I'm not really, we saw Gerald Everett have six catches last week. We saw uh, Higby find the end zone against Arizona. So I'm okay with Evan Ingram and sterling Shepard, no matter who starts but i think that's it for the Giants
1: side a deep deep name maybe tight end premium specific but just in case maybe a dfs name to throw out there is dan arnold the uh tight end for the cardinals three touchdowns in his last two games again with now that might have been because larry fitzgerald's been out so he's been carrying some of that slot but again just wanted to mention it if you're if you're in a deeper position there Okay, let's get into the last game here. The breakdown: the Vikings and the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers coming off of the buy at seven five. The Vikings at six and six. Tampa Bay has allowed seventy four rush yards per game this season, the fewest in the NFL. Convince me that I'm gonna be okay with all of my Delvin Cook shares. I've been riding them all week or all season. Everyone's excited about it, but he has the worst running back schedule for the fantasy playoffs you can't not start dalvin cook but it is making me a bit nervous uh all of the vikings to me are a question mark this week now they've been absolutely on fire Thielen and jefferson obviously even kyle rudolph but rudolph ended up on the on the practice injury report they might get irv smith back i'm probably just going to fade the tight end personally but you have Jefferson and Thielen who you probably have to start, but look out. And then you have Kirk cousins who's been on fire, but again, the Buccaneers very good on defense on the other side, same thing goes. I think Brady and all these wide receivers are an option here. Chris Godwin questionable. Got his got the pins taken out of his fingers this week, but assuming he goes and Gronk is ready, I'm firing up everybody, including Tom Brady in a plus matchup. My question with Tampa Bay is going to be the running backs. Do you trust Rojo? Do you trust Fournette? If you had to pick one, who is it going to be out of that running back core?
0: Yeah, I, I actually love this game. I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. And listen, so when I was looking at the drop back data, you know, Tampa Bay is fifth in drop backs per game on defense over the last five weeks. That's great news for the passing game for Minnesota. Plus, they're six and six and a half point underdogs in this game, which means it always tells me they're going to have to throw a lot. Now, I do worry about Dalvin Cook's running ability in this game. He's not going to probably have that typical 125 yards rushing. Uh, so I think, I think the good news for him is that he's going to be utilizing the pass game. Now, Kyle Rudolph is banged up. Irv Smith is coming back. You're ch- kind of doing a flip-flop at tight end a little bit. But when I'm looking at it, I think that he does offer a decent baseline. He's probably not going to be your elite top five running back this week in this tough matchup. But you're rolling with Dalvin Cook, of course. But I think it's great news for the fact that this is a pass-funnel defense in Tampa Bay. Now, when I'm looking at that, I say the wide receivers. We saw what Tyree Kill did to this this secondary. I am not concerned at all for the uh, for Adam Thielen for Justin Jefferson. I, I think you can roll with those guys without a doubt. Tom Brady coming out of the bye is going to want to prove something. They they are definitely finally had the time off to get things going, get the to get the situation going for them. I think that this is the time that you know if you hold, held on to Tom Brady you know, you're rolling with him. I think you're playing Tom Brady. I think you can play Kirk Cousins in this matchup as well on the, on the other side, but just to finish up the Vikings, I think I'm just focused on those two, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, along with Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook on the, on the Buccaneer side. Listen, you know, I'm looking at the Vikings and yes, they've been white hot. They've been very good, but the last five opponents have been Jacksonville, Carolina, Dallas, Chicago, and Detroit. Like those are not Um, none of those teams are even top half of the league in passing production. They are all middling to low end passing games. So yes, the Vikings look much better against the pass, but they don't have corners that can keep up with Godwin with Mike Evans, with Antonio Brown. They don't have a guy that can truly shut those guys down. So I'm okay with rolling with those players. If you really, I, now, when I look at, you know, the wide receivers, it's mostly out wide receivers that dominate the Minnesota Vikings. So Mike Evans, to me, is a must-start, but Chris Godwin, I'm, I'm not blinking an eye. I think when it comes down to it, is it going to be Antonio Brown versus Rob Gronkowski? I think both are in play. I looked at you know who kind of beat the Minnesota Vikings over the last couple of weeks. There's been plenty of notable tight ends that have produced against Minnesota, so I'm okay with Rob Gronkowski in this matchup. I think I'm just firing up every – I just think I'm all in on Tom Brady in this matchup, so I think I'm firing him up. Now the run game, listen, Minnesota is actually more of a run funnel defense. So they're a little more susceptible uh, versus the run. So I think Ronald Jones to me and plus Bruce Arians said, you know, Rojo needs to get at least 20 carries. I know that's coach speaking Arians is the worst with that stuff, but I think Rojo is a must start for me as well. The one thing I will say is Mike Evans has practice the last two days. So just keep that in mind. If Mike Evans is out, you got to play Antonio Brown. He becomes a must start. So you know, just keep an eye on that. But if, if Mike Evans is in, I'm roll, I'm pretty much okay with everybody, even maybe flexing Antonio Brown this game. Uh, but I think I'm all hands on deck for this matchup.
1: I think it's a great call. With the Buccaneers coming off of a, a bye week, they're all healthy. I, I think that you're correct with Brady with a chip on his shoulder. They just got absolutely stomped by the Chiefs last time out. Um, even though that game was close on paper, they got run early. Um, yeah. So I agree with you on, on the Buccaneers offensive side. Quick note on Dalvin cook. I do have him in most of my leagues. I had been touting Dalvin cook and uh, Alvin Kamara as potentially guys to take over guys like Saquon and Zeke for sure um, this uh, summer. So I put all my eggs in a basket. And of course, outside of the last couple of weeks with Kamara Dalvin cook and, and Kamara have certainly worked out a quick note here through week nine. So week one through nine with the week seven bye, Dalvin cook had 21 total targets. Over the last four weeks, he's had 22. So he's getting much more involved in the passing game, including nine targets last week out of the backfield, six receptions, 59 yards to go along with 32 rush attempts. So I don't know that the efficiency is going to be there, of course, against Tampa Bay, who's obviously much better than Jacksonville. However, he should, I mean, he is the offense. If they can't throw the ball, they're going to roll through Dalvin Cook one way or the other. Also, Alexander Madison, who usually spells him a little bit at least is out he had an appendectomy two weeks ago uh so he is still out uh, of the game there so you know mike boone and, and uh, amir abdullah and whatnot uh, cj ham are not going to be taking away too many touches from dalvin cook so i'm as worried as everybody else but of course you're firing up your horse all right man that wraps up the early game slate bobby let's quickly get your picks here uh doing pretty well again, a down week for me, but the rest of you guys 10 and five across the board. Well done. I was eight and seven, had a couple slips. I'm going a little off the radar this week because I'm trying to make off make up a little bit of ground. But everybody's over a hundred wins in our pick'em uh, since week three. We did not do the first two weeks. So since week three, we have done pick'ems with you, me, Lucas, and of course our boy Dweez, who does the stat rat episode on Tuesdays. So, Bobby, you're, again, just one game behind. Lucas at 108. Lucas is at 109. Dwee's at 106, and I'm at 103 and 70. Bobby, let's get your picks here for the early game slate, and let's start with tonight's game. Who do you have, the New England Patriots, at the L.A. Rams Thursday night football? Rams. Rams. I'm going to go with the Rams as well. Denver at Carolina. Carolina. I, too, I'm going to go with Carolina. I just think, uh, again, fresh off the bye means a lot in the NFL. Houston at Chicago. Chicago. I'm going to go with Chicago, too, and I don't feel good about it. It's mainly because they're at home and they have a great defense. But, look, Deshaun Watson is clearly a top-five quarterback in the NFL. Anything can happen. I'm going to go with Chicago, too, but I don't feel good about it. Dallas at Cincinnati. Dallas. Dallas, revenge game for – Andy Dalton, I agree with you. I'm going to go with Dallas as well here. Tennessee at Jacksonville. Tennessee. I'm going to go with Tennessee too. There's just too much firepower with Derrick Henry. Kansas City at Miami. Kansas City. I picked Miami mainly because I need to mix it up to get to catch up to you guys with some wins. Right. Um, but if there's an upset game on the slate, I just this game is in Miami. Chiefs have kind of been toying with opponents. I don't think Miami is that type of team. It's all comes down to Tua and the offense, which may not be enough, but I'm going to take a shot in the dark here and go Miami. Arizona at New York Giants. Arizona. Arizona trying to get off the schneid, as I mentioned, lost four of the last five, should have lost five of the last five, frankly. I'm actually going to go with the Giants here. I think Daniel Jones comes back healthy. Defense is playing much better. I do think they'll have enough firepower at home. Cold game for Kyler Murray, who's an indoor quarterback and indoor team for the Cardinals. I'll take the Giants at home. And Minnesota at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay off the bye. I agree with you. If they contain Dalvin Cook, I think they win pretty handily in this one. Bobby, always a pleasure, man. Best of luck in Week 14, the first round of the Fantasy Playoffs. We'll be talking together next week regardless, but I hope that we're talking, getting ready for our first round (laughs) buys to come to fruition. And we're ready for week 15 and we're still ready to go uh, in the fantasy playoffs. Before we get out of here, remind the TCK potters where they can find all your content. Yeah.
0: You guys can follow me on Instagram at Fantasy football X factor on Twitter at FFX factor. I also write a report for shadow coverage on football.rasbo.com. And I also write my opportunities analysis for expand the box score every Saturday as
1: well. Always a pleasure, my man. Best of luck to everybody in week 14 with the early slate coming at you next with the later game slate, including Sunday night football and Monday night football. We will be back with you. This is episode 322 of the Candlestick Kids fantasy football podcast. Find us on Instagram at fantasy football, underscore TCK pod on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Leave us a five-star review and rating. We much appreciate it. Anywhere you listen to the podcast and go find our true strength of schedule sheet online, all of our articles and rankings at tckpod.com. For Bobby Lamarco, I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.